0: I'm like super uncomfortable. And when you told me that I was coming here for an interview, I didn't mm. know that you'd want me to talk about the Hailey Bieber smoothie. <laughs> I've been put in a situation right now where I have to actually step away and remove myself.
1: Yeah, I just, it's pretty obvious that we talk about hard topics here on this podcast.
0: God is real. I'll prove it to you. I'm happy to open my heart to whatever you have to say, but I might put my <laughs> headphones in a few minutes <laughs> <laughs> No matter how hard you tuck, the metaphorical schlong always finds a way of whipping itself back into your body. Ooh.
2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Queer Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Carbon. I'm Emily.
0: I'm
1: Taha.
2: And welcome to the show.
1: Today, we are joined by Taha, who is a hilarious content creator who explores queer and South Asian immigrant experiences, as well as so many other topics. We highly recommend following him on TikTok and Instagram. If you've had a negative coming out experience, does that mean you can't explore a relationship with your family, your culture, or religion? This is a question that we're exploring today. We'll be chatting coming out, rebuilding relationships, setting boundaries, and connecting with culture
2: without religion. Let's get into it. Thank you so much, Taha, for joining us today.
0: Thank you for having
2: me. I think that when it comes to like immigrant families in general, we do have a lot of similarities across the board of coming out to a different non-Western culture as well as in particular religious cultures. I know what it was like for me coming out and how nervous I was. And I know that a lot of people, especially immigrants, just don't come out at all depending on how religiously strict or culturally strict their parents are. So I'm wondering what really motivated you to come out to your
0: parents? There were two things. The first thing was feeling very frustrated and tired of living a double life. It was my first time ever being in a relationship, and I was very in love, and he and I were actually living together. And so I was living a complete double life, and I was really... Tired of it. There was the first piece, which was how anxiety inducing it was, and scary it was, and painful it was. Um, And that was for all 23 years leading up to it. I didn't like lying to my family, and I'd been doing it for so long. And as I was getting older and doing it, um, now that I was in a relationship, the stakes were higher. It meant more that I was lying. By the time that I was ready to come out, both my siblings had kids that I adore. Mm -hmm. And so now it wasn't just about me and my siblings and my parents. There were also these little kids. And I was like, well, what role am I going to be allowed to play in their life? Stakes are higher than ever and I'm tired. So when did you realize that you're gay? Yeah. Okay, this is layered. So I think the first conscious like... I am having an intrusive sexual thought about another man. It was the summer before grade nine. So <laughs> in the summer before grade nine, I was illegally working at a linen store because basically my mom was their marketing manager. And I was yeah. like, I want to work at the like physical store. And they were like, you're not legally old enough. But then I was like, I really want to do it. And so her boss was like, OK, I'll give you a Subway sandwich if you work like a seven hour <laughs> shift. But I just they had other staff there. I wasn't very useful, but I loved yeah. it. Anyways, I was walking by this man at the mall. Wasn't it particularly attractive to me just Mm. very random (laughs) this was also the summer that I discovered masturbation and so I was pleasuring myself later on that week and I just have this intrusive thought about that man Mm. I didn't feel anything (laughs) towards that man but he (laughs) popped into my mind and for some reason it excited me yeah and I Had this, I still remember. It was one of the scariest moments of my life. It was like a sharp knife going through my chest where I was like, holy shit, holy shit. Tuck this away and never come to it again. Come to it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you realize it the summer before grade nine. Yeah. Tucked it away for a really long time. When did you
0: untuck? (laughs) So here's the thing no matter how hard you tuck, The metaphorical schlong always finds a way of whipping itself back into your body. All I can do in high school is not really think about the fact that I like guys. I've started watching porn now and I watch straight people porn, but I do this thing where like I'll look at the gay category and be like, wow, that's so weird. Like, oh, it's so weird when I move my cursor to me thumbnails of other videos and I'm just over the category of it. Yeah. Weird. And I'd go back to my straight porn and just picture what I saw. And I'd be like, oh, God, I love being straight. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Untucked. And then you were in love, 23, and then you came out to them. How did that go?
0: Yeah, it was a mixed bag. I had talked to one of my siblings about it who did not take it well. They had told me that their children could never find out. When I came out as gay, I also told my family about how I was an atheist. Oh, you just double bagged. Actually, triple bagged it. I my roommate was my it. boyfriend. <gasps> I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Was it all
2: negative when yeah. you
0: came out? So with this sibling, I went into coming out to my family very specifically. So I'd actually come out to my friends in 2016. Mm-hmm. I came out to my family in 2019. I had gone into it being like I need unconditional support and love. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I don't want them in my life in the moment. Mm. I'm financially independent. I have my own space, so I feel safe to come out. My culture is literally built on like caring about people's reputations and secrecy. And I was like, I don't want that. I don't Mm -hmm. want, I accept you, but don't talk about it. I do not. So what I did with each of my family members was, this is what I need. If you cannot give it to me, I am no longer engaging with you because your bigotry has made me deal with really intense mental health struggles since I was 14. Mm -hmm. That said, whenever you decide to change your mind and come around even if it's 10 years I'll make space in my life for you but Mm -hmm. you don't get that until you're open-minded completely this sibling couldn't give me that for a while and it took a few months of me I completely stopped talking to them I'm Mm -hmm. not accepting this Um, a few months later we chatted again and it's been a lot better since actually they've really really come a long way and um, I'm really appreciative of them my other sibling this is what's so funny is that my brother, who grew up being the most homophobic towards me, mm. taught me all the homophobic slurs I know that I probably said when I was a kid too. Like, when I told him, he was so apologetic and mm. loving and supportive. And I was shocked. Wow. And he was just like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, you mm. know, so much pop culture in the early 2000s made it seem like it was okay to say it those did. things and feel really those did. things. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, I never wanted to hurt you and I'm so sorry. And mm. I was so happy and relieved. I think for me, the biggest thing that made it really hard with my siblings was at this point, they had children that I was invested in. Mm -hmm. And so with my sister, I was like, am I not going to ever get to be with her kids again? Mm-hmm. Or is it going to be some sort of very fragmented relationship that's hard, mm-hmm. and so with my brother i was I was just relieved that at the very least in that moment in time, I knew that I had his kids who would be with me, and that was really important to me and I was really appreciative of that. Both my parents are really nosy and like a little bit gossipy, and that's where I get it from. Mm-hmm. But my dad, <laughs> I had taken him to brunch i get like was super ready to come out to him like mm-hmm. this man grew up in a very conservative lower class family in Pakistan who may not have a- access to education that included topics surrounding lgbtq identities yeah. which actually nobody did in pakistan my dad's also in his 70s so no that wasn't even there at all yeah but it turns out that he knew i was gay because my mom was talking about it really loudly because she screams when she talks and he was eavesdropping so he prepared
2: oh my god!
0: yeah so i was like i'm gay and he's like oh you know what like that's okay so many people are and you should be okay with it and i was like you knew already and he's like yeah i heard your mom i was like you're so annoying that's huge what the hell and he's like i know many people who are and they keep it a huge secret I just want you to be happy and it, I'm not very happy that you're an atheist. That brings me pain, but I just want you to feel okay and happy. I am on medication for my anxiety. It is mm-hmm. the reason I'm able to live my life freely and breathe and it's been such a big part of my life for five plus years i told my family i was like look a big reason that i think i need this medication to have a peaceful and fulfilling state of mind in my life is because of the things you raised me with so my family was learning that they had kind of failed in some capacity in their parenting not in all the capacities mm-hmm. but in this small capacity and i think it brought them a lot of shame maybe a little bit of self-awareness and they were scared when i had come out to my mom i had taken her to panera bread because i really wanted a cookie of theirs it's the best place to come yeah it had to have this kitchen sink cookie which has pretzels in it too I was like I'm gonna make my mom buy me this this might be the last time I see her she's gonna buy me this fucking cookie (laughs) and I sat next to this big ass window I'm like okay she tries anything we have lots of witnesses in the middle of a parking lot in Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. I sat her down and I was like, hey, like there's something I wanted to tell you. I'm gay. Also, I don't believe in God. Also, my roommate for the past three months, four months is actually my boyfriend. She was silent for a while, as anyone would be, to be fair. Yeah. And we just talked through logistics. The first thing was, okay, so you're living with someone. Whoa. Yeah, I am. Um, um She was not okay with that at the beginning. We had a lot of fights about that. Mm-hmm. Um, One of the first questions she asked me at Panera was, what do I do with all the jewelry? I've been saving up for your wife oh and I was like honestly fair question but like I don't know yeah. maybe we can sell it maybe we can figure <laughs> something out but like it was interesting to see my parents have their minds kind of like twisted a bit because I guess they were never prepared to have a child who was queer mm-hmm. I it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. not a big part of their lives yeah. they don't know as many people who are and did you have a period
1: of time where it went like no contact with your family
0: only my sister yeah yeah only my sister for a few months and then She's come such a long way and I'm Mm -hmm. really, really happy and proud of her because, you know, I look back and I'm like, I'm happy with the way it went. I wouldn't want my sister to force herself to be comfortable with it and not really understand what that means Mm -hmm. and keep herself in my life. I'm glad that we took the space that we did because it's made our relationship better.
2: Considering the cultural and religious background that your entire family comes from, what Mm -hmm. do you think made them want to commit to continue to foster a relationship with you?
0: It's a really good question. I wish I had an answer. My family is Muslim. I'm an atheist. I know there are lots of queer Muslims that are practicing and, you Mm -hmm. know, they work with their interpretations of their religion, which I think is amazing. I think my family has had to reinterpret or Mm re-understand parts of their religion to make peace with the fact that they have a son who's gay. I don't know what that cognitive dissonance and re aligning of the two conflicting things looks like, because for me, when I had that, my answer was, I actually don't think I believe in religion. I think that they have understood their text differently. I've also told my family this where they're worried about me because I'm an atheist. I say, look, Mm. your religion preaches a lot of really important, lovely, good qualities. And I was like, I exhibit all of them. I exhibit them objectively more than a lot of people that you know that like are practicing Mm. and praying and whatnot. Mm. And so I was like, if your God is a just God and isn't a meanie, he's going to be like, oh, this guy's really nice. And He just has religious trauma and that's why he didn't believe in me. And there's like a whole bunch of other cultural and societal things that have impacted that.
2: I just hope that God is trauma-informed.
0: Yeah. Do they ever
2: try to like convince you back into religion?
0: It happens. Influence it? Yeah, it happens. It's the main point of contention that I'll have. And we have a little bit of a tiff and then we move forward. The only one thing that I'm comfortable doing that I do is during the month of Ramadan when they fast for Mm. 30 days. If I'm visiting them during that month. I will fast with them. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom, she's always like, can you please fast at least once for me, for God? And I'm like, I will fast. I'm not doing it for God. I'm Hmm. doing it for a couple of reasons. One, if I'm going to be in your home and none of you are eating and you're doing a ritual Mm. or having something Mm. like that Mm. i feel like it would be very disrespectful of me to not join you and do Mm. that Mm -hmm. you know i want to have this shared experience with you also Mm -hmm. i think about the reasons that people fast that it's like justified in the quran and i'm like those are some really good values i'm happy Mm -hmm. to internalize those values and reflect Mm -hmm. on those things when i'm fasting Mm -hmm. you know what is it like when my body is running on when i don't have enough fuel what does it feel like when i notice myself having a shorter temper and thinking okay when people are going hungry they are less able to interact with the world in a peaceful way what does that mean for folks who don't have access to food things like that so Mm -hmm. I use it as an opportunity to reflect on what the Quran wants you to reflect on Mm -hmm. and I do it out of respect for my family and Mm -hmm. honestly I enjoy it and I make sure that that day that I do fast them once in the year I treat Mm -hmm. them to their like opening fast meal like I'll get the food I'll pay for it and make sure they know that like I'm here to like love and support them Mm -hmm.
2: I feel like that seems like a cute Very sweet, wholesome trade-off. It's like, I don't believe in this part of your... Being, but I will support it, and yeah. this is me showing you my support. Yeah. And then in turn, you're showing me your support. It's like an exchange of values. You yeah. know what I mean?
1: It's like you're showing them the behavior that you wish, yes, or would like them to show to you. Yeah. It's like just because you don't believe in my way of life, you can still respect me. Yeah. You mentioned setting boundaries with them early on, and I'm wondering if certain boundaries still exist for you in the way that you interact with your family and sort of like what your relationship looks like.
0: One of the boundaries I set was we do not scream at each other. I grew up in a home where people screamed at each other a lot and it was incredibly anxiety inducing for me. I am a very conflict averse person now. I would literally rather somebody make me uncomfortable and them be happy than Mm -hmm. deal with the like discomfort of conflict. I am going to not yell back or fight back. If you yell at me or talk to me like that Mm-hmm. disengaging immediately. Yeah. So I remember <laughs> we were having this huge fight mm-hmm. on, or like a huge argument on FaceTime. And she was like, I don't like that you're da-da-da. And she was yelling. <laughs> and I just hung up on her. <laughs> <laughs> it's not up for debate mm-hmm. whether or not we can talk to each other like that. Because I was yeah. like, look, I shouldn't talk to you like that either. Mm-hmm. And I have talked to you like that in the past. And that's not okay either. I am telling you that me setting boundaries, this nasty-ass word that you hate, mm-hmm. is actually going to make us closer. Yeah, I checked in with her recently. I was like, remember when I said that And you're like, mm. and I was like, did me setting boundaries not make us have a way better relationship because now we don't scream at each other. No. She's like, yeah. And I was like, I win. She was like, whatever. (laughs) Boundaries are a scary word for parents, particularly parents who might be immigrant parents or Mm -hmm. not even immigrant parents, maybe parents who just grew up in a very like I should be able to control you culture and that's normal to them. They don't realize that when you let your child Mm -hmm. free they're going to love you so much more and you're going to be like, oh my god, I love them more because they love me more and like life becomes so beautiful.
1: I feel like part of growing up is realizing how much your parents don't know Mm -hmm. and how much you actually become their teacher. It's challenging for a lot of parents to accept that, but like once you can accept that there's like a lot more room for capacity of love, which is nice.
0: I'm really lucky and I need to really highlight that. This is not a universal experience. I'm coming from a serious Mm -hmm. place of privilege And I don't want to discount the fact that I've done a lot of work in boundary setting and coaching. I have. But even the fact that I can sit here and say that I have a good relationship with my family is Mm -hmm. because of a lot of privilege. I don't know that I'd be able to do this if I wasn't a guy. In our culture, guys, they can literally do whatever. Like I could literally rob a family owned convenience store and my mom would be like, oh my God, like he was just practicing for like, I don't know, a TikTok or something. I don't know. (laughs) It's a combination of privilege, luck and me putting in the work. So
1: do you still have a partner? You know, you're single right now. I'm single right now. How... How do you think they'd, like, engage with a partner?
0: My mom did meet my first boyfriend. Yeah. How it took her a while it go. It was okay. She was really prepared for it. One of the things she said at dinner with him when she met him was, you know, no one can ever love anyone more than they love their mother. And I was like, Mom, we're <laughs> in the middle of a Thai restaurant. I need you to just tone it down. So he grew on her. Yeah. Um, they would even say how on FaceTime and stuff. When we broke up, unfortunately, after my breakup, The person that I was with before that ended up kind of being a meanie and my mom was very unhappy with that. She's very protective of me because she showed him a lot of love. So we had a talk where she was like, (laughs) she's like, from now on, please don't introduce me to any of your significant others unless it's like very serious because I got really attached to him and it's just too much for my heart. That's sweet though. It is really sweet. It is. But now if I ever bring him up. I literally, we have this inside joke. I'm like, yeah. if I say his name, I see my mom's eyes, like, fire up. And I'm like, sorry, yeah. I shouldn't talk about her ex. It's really triggering for her. And we all laugh at her. Yeah. But it is really sweet. She's like, it, it's hard for me to, like, let go of people like that. Because she has, she is her own person. Yeah. So she's open to it. But I have to yeah. be very, very seriously, like, in a relationship for a very long time. And then she was like, mm-hmm. and then you can tell me. Because then there are yeah. stakes. And it's yeah, yeah, worth yeah, investing yeah. emotionally. This ex that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. I never met his family. Because this he was not out to his family. And yeah. for me, family is such a big thing. And I was like, damn, like it just it sucks because for me, a beautiful thing about dating someone and getting maybe marrying them one day is having a new family on totally. top of it. So that's also a little bit hard. But mm-hmm. I'm so lucky. My mom is really cool. Like she's actually really cool. I'm, I'm lucky.
1: Do you have any advice for people who are trying to achieve like a similar relationship with family?
0: Can I address a piece of coming out actually? Yeah. So I think... There's a lot of messaging that's like, follow your heart and tell your family and come mm-hmm. out to them. And I think that's really nice in theory. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, culturally speaking, don't do it if you're not ready because literally it's not safe. For me, I felt comfortable because I had my own money and my own home. Yeah, And I would say... If you want to be safe and keep yourself secure and are worried, it's okay if you don't come out. It's okay if you wait until you have full independence financially and do not have the risk of them leveraging their power over you. Yeah.
1: That's huge. Yeah, That's huge. Jumping now into the culture and religion piece, Mm. we recently did an episode with Bilal, which was about maintaining your connection with religion Mm. after coming out. And I think it's nice to have sort of both sides of Mm. This perspective of, yeah. like, wanting to disconnect with it and both being mm. totally valid. But I'm kind of wondering what led you towards atheism and, like, de with religion.
0: Yeah, for me, it was even before the gay stuff. I think for me, <laughs> the gay stuff. Um, I was 18 when I realized that yeah. I didn't believe in anything. We don't know the origins of the universe. I just... Think that the scientific explanation is in my brain more likely than you know maybe a being and the elements of spirituality that come with that for me it just didn't make sense explanation wise and so I was like you know what I don't actually believe in this so why am I pretending if there is this sentient being that's like Mm -hmm. made everything and stuff like why would he want us to worship him like that and like why can't like we be gay and why do he like make all these rules. They're like so like ruley, <laughs> you know.
1: Like, have you played The Sims? I'm like a pretty intense god on Sims. It, I will drown them in the pool.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I remember in grade seven, before I fully realized I was gay, my brother's friend was like, like my brother's friend was very progressive and not homophobic. He's like, yeah. oh, it's cool, you know, in the new Sims game, you can be gay. And I was like, oh my god, cool! I ran upstairs and tore and did it. I sprinted. <laughs> And I would have this uh, perfect nuclear family. And then some days when I was feeling it, I would not consciously like accept it. But like I would just like go and quickly make my sim cheat on his wife with another man, Like do sexy time and do woohoo. Yeah. And then I'd feel so guilty and like want to cry. But I wouldn't save it. And I'd reload and be like, my family's normal. It didn't happen. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> How can I be gay if it didn't save? Gay people want to save it if they kiss men. If I look at a chicken and I'm vegan, am I not vegan anymore? Thank you. That's a really good wow. point. Yeah. You thought about that a I while. I straight.
1: <laughs> How do you manage to separate culture and
0: religion? I really struggled with liking my culture when I first came out. In fact, I really wanted to distance myself from it. Mm-hmm. I remember going to an Indian restaurant with the first guy I dated and being like, I'm uncomfortable here. It reminds me of my culture. I don't ever want to associate with that again. He played a really big part in me accepting my culture. And that mm-hmm. was one of the really great things of our relationship that he helped me with. Truly, he mm-hmm. said, your culture is so beautiful and so, Rich, and I wish you didn't feel like you had to abandon it. I was like, okay, it took me some time, and I got right back into my culture. And I was like, oh, man, I love being South Asian. I love being Indian and Pakistani. Yeah. I love Bollywood movies. I love our clothes. I love our music. Mm-hmm. I love our food. It's so good. I fell in love with cooking, and I love cooking my pe- like my food, you know? Mm-hmm. like. And so one big piece of it was incentive. I had incentive to connect to the culture. Separating the religious piece... It took some time to, like, kind of figure out a rhythm that works for me, but, like, I'm strict (laughs) about, like, I don't pray, Mm -hmm. you know, but, like, I'm going to come to your wedding at the mosque if you'll have me. Mm -hmm. I've I've done that a bunch of times, and I'm happy to. I want to see my friends be happy in their place of worship, having love and mm. if I'm at my friend's wedding and it's at a mosque, and I know the couple, I know that they're, like, not homophobic, and mm. I want to be there for them on this special day, Yeah, there is the argument that, yes, but you're technically allowing yourself to be in the building that represents an institution that mm. X, Y, and Z, and I'm like, yeah, maybe, whatever, I just want to be with my friends, like, I don't care, like, I yeah. literally don't care, I'm so tired, I just want to be with my friends, yeah. I want to see them and get married, and I want them to be happy that I'm there, and I want us all just... Hold hands and be happy forever.
2: I also think that you can (laughs) redefine what certain things mean to you as well and separate certain pieces Mm. from either a culture or a religion to better fit, I guess you could say, like how you see the world. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like all this stuff really is like just each person's interpretation of it. Totally. Just because somebody else's interpretation yeah. of a religion is a specific way that really disagrees with you yeah. doesn't mean that the same text can't have a different interpretation.
0: That's such a good point, actually, because I could then make an argument, a counter argument to what I just said and be like, okay, yeah, it represents this institution, blah, blah, but there are so many people who've reinterpreted the text, and mm-hmm. to them it represents something beautiful. So I thank you for saying that. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: I'm wondering if we're kind of talking about like reengaging with your culture. I feel like mm. the ways that you Make your... TikTok videos is kind of like one way that you are engaging with culture but I'm kind of wondering like what this looks like in practice to you and like what have been the most meaningful ways that you've reengaged with your culture
0: I'd say the most meaningful ways I've reengaged in my culture all involve the like online content stuff Mm -hmm, because I love my culture it's so fun and like for me my favorite thing and this happens a lot is a lot of my content isn't specifically about being queer Mm -hmm. and when it is it isn't always like very serious or heavy I just like want to show people that queer people can just like have fun and like it's okay for us to just be happy and light right yeah. And so a lot of times people from my culture be like, oh, this guy's videos are like funny and they'll follow me and then they'll find out that I'm gay afterwards. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, like, I don't know if I agree with this whole gay thing, but he's funny, so I'll follow him. And mm-hmm. it like helps them slowly open their minds, which I really, really like. Yeah. And so for me, that's a very meaningful way to engage in my culture. I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I'm not intense, like not intentionally or maliciously. I'm like, yeah. I draw them in with the fact that I just really like doing funny stuff mm-hmm. and it's fun to be funny. They realize that queer people come in all sorts of boxes and they I guess for whatever reason maybe I don't fit what they think queer people look or act like all the time and so it gets to open their mind a little bit so that's for me the most engaging way I
2: recently started to seek out engagement with re-engagement with my culture as well which has been like very heartwarming for me it like is filling a piece of my heart that I didn't even know needed filling yeah and I don't know if it's common or not for people like queer people in particular to like disengage with their culture um, because it's so tied to so many things Mm -hmm. like Colombian culture for example is very tied to for example macho culture and it's very tied to misogyny it's very tied to homophobia it's also very tied to religion as well like it's all kind of you know but to like begin to separate it and to realize like the pieces of it that are like really beautiful yeah it's like so nice
0: it is yeah it's hard to separate it but then you find the pieces of it that are fun and beautiful because it's like oh yeah like this is so awesome and like i love like indian reels there's no tiktok in india but like people that live in india and make content there are so funny Mm -hmm. my entire instagram algorithm it isn't north american or like british european south asians it's like People from India that live there, yeah, because they're so funny. Like the humor there is so up my alley, yeah, and that's why I have so many followers from the actual country too. Like yeah. for me, that was a big way that I started engaging with my culture. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. like this is so niche but so funny, and so that's how I like engaging with my culture.
1: Was there anything we didn't hit on that you like feel called to speak about? No, that's good. I'm good.
0: Yeah, I've always oh, wanted to get I mean? in like a fight on a podcast. Yeah, do you want me to say Um, something mean to you? (laughs) You don't have to say anything. We just pretend that something happened.
1: Yeah, and then, like, put it in the teaser.
0: (laughs) I just don't really want to talk to you guys about this right now. I'm sorry. I'm, like, super uncomfortable. And when you told me that I was coming here for an interview, I Mm. didn't know that you'd want me to talk about the Hailey Bieber smoothie. I've been put in a situation right now where I have to actually step away and remove myself. Yeah,
1: I just, it's pretty obvious that we talk about hard topics here on this podcast.
0: God is real. I'll prove it to you. I'm happy to open my heart to whatever you have to say, <laughs> but I might put my headphones in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Underneath here, you, you have the earphones. I had this sexy Uber driver today and yeah. he kept talking normally when Uber drivers preach religion to me. I'm like, okay, like, whatever. He was so hot. I'm not even kidding. Religion he you? was talking about God and the whole time in my head, I was like, you know what, like, it's okay. Like, it's his journey. Like, I just not to, like learn about where he's from and he was so attractive and he was talking about his wife and kids i'm like yeah yeah yeah. anyways tell me more about your like journey and he kept looking <laughs> at me through the like back mirror to like because normal people just talk and they want to his... but in my head i was like wow like he can't stop looking at me <laughs> <laughs> obsessed. You're obsessed. it's You're actually obsessed scary how much he wants me and i was like dude do you have a wife and kids just behave yourself do you want to leave your uh,
2: oh me? my god <laughs> Thank you so much, Taha, for being here. My pleasure. So that is everything that we have for you today. And if you want to dive deeper into the queer Muslim experience, make sure to click this video right over here. Make sure that you subscribe. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast app, leave us a five star review because it really helps the podcast out. That's all we have for you today. And until next time. Peace. Peace.